Welcome to another inspiring message from LifePoint Church, recorded live in Adelaide, Australia. It is our prayer that you would experience the life-changing power and presence of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. Enjoy. Amazing. I want to share a message with you tonight entitled, Desperate Times Call for Divine Measures. Desperate times call for divine measures. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. It says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One more verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5 before we get into it tonight. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. The steadfastness of Christ. My message tonight is called Desperate Times call for divine measures. Can we just bow in prayer tonight as we get into the word? Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I know that my words and my opinions can't change much, but God, I know that your words spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit can change everything. It can change atmospheres. It can change hearts and lives. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak to every person who is hearing this message tonight. God, I pray that you would encourage us, you would strengthen us, and you would help us to be people who stand firm, who are on purpose, who are on task, who are on your plan, no matter what comes our way. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen, amen. So the title of my message tonight is Desperate Times Call for Divine Measures. And the word measure is defined as simply this, a plan or course of action taken to achieve a particular purpose. A plan or course of action taken to achieve a particular purpose. So when we're talking about divine measures, we are talking about God-breathed plans or actions set in motion in our lives to achieve God's purposes. And I truly believe that desperate times and uncertain times that we're living in call for divine purposes, divine plans, God-breathed ideas in our hearts to fulfill God's purposes for us. You know, I'm told um, that part of the Air Force training to be a fighter pilot includes learning how to operate the aircraft uh, in 
when you're completely disorientated. So they'll flip them upside down, inside out, whatever they need to do. They'll get them completely disorientated. So they have to learn how to operate this aircraft when they are completely uh, disorientated and under any circumstances and conditions that are thrown their way. They learn to stay the course and fulfill their purpose no matter what disorientates them. Now, I believe God is calling his people in 2020 to stay the course. As these verses said, to stand firm, to be people who are not shaken, but keep pressing forward and moving forward into all that God has for us. And I believe that the Bible shares with us some divine measures that we can take to stay the course no matter what comes our way. You know, if there's one thing that these verses teach us in 1 Corinthians and in Hebrews and in Thessalonians, they teach us that in the midst of uncertain times and uncertain circumstances, the best thing that we can do is lean on a certain God. The best thing that we can do in uncertain times is to stand on His certain word. The best thing that we can do in uncertain times is to cling to His certain presence. The best thing that we can do in uncertain times is to fulfill His certain purpose and promise for our lives. Desperate times call for divine measures. I don't know about you, but I love theme parks. Any theme park lovers, you can give us a wave if you're watching at home. Uh, I love theme parks, but I'm a little bit of an an anomaly. I don't like rides. I'm not a big ride person. My family's watching online. Everyone else in my family loves crazy rides. I don't really like rides. I'm the bag lady, and I'm standing there with all their bags and stuff as my family, including my mum, who's a little short, timid Irish woman, gets on all of these roller coasters and different things like that. But I'm not big on rides. I don't go to theme parks for rides. I go to theme parks for the food, for the food. You know, theme park food calls to me like the ocean calls to Moana, right? Theme park food calls to me like the ocean calls to Moana. I just love the food. People will schedule their day at a theme park according to which, um, which rides they want to take, right? And I will schedule my day according to what I would like to eat at particular times at the theme park. Amen, Pastor Phil McElraith. At 11 a.m., I'm going to have a Dagwood dog. At 12 p.m., I'm going to have a turkey leg. At 4 p.m., I'm going to have some churros. Anybody likes churros? I go for the food. I don't go for the rides. But when I have had to go on the rides, when I have been forced to go on some crazy rides with friends or family, I'll go on the ride and maybe, you know, you've had this experience as well. You sort of go on the ride and it's crazy and your head's like out of your skull and it's just intense. And then you sort of walk out and you're sort of like, you know, staggering along and you get out and you look and you come out and you're sort of in this sort of dark room. All of a sudden you see uh, a TV with your face on it and it's got you on the ride and you're like, as you're coming down the roller coaster, it's like the worst photo you've ever seen of yourself and you're just looking at the photo. Um, And if you were in your right mind, you would politely ask Cinderella, who's behind the counter, because she has two jobs at this theme park. She's waiting for the parade at 2.35 when she can go out and be Cinderella, but she's also behind the counter at the photo booth. And if you were in your right mind, you'd, you'd ask Cinderella, 
in the most polite way possible to kindly remove that photo from human existence, right? You would say, please remove that photo from this situation. I never want to see it again. But instead, because you're so discombobulated and you're so disorientated, instead you sort of pull out $50 and you give it to Cinderella to take that photo home with you. And you're sort of walking out. You don't know what's up. You're like, am I Batman? Am I Batman? Did I just save the world? What's going on here? And you're sort of walking around. You're disorientated. And you sort of try and find your way. You go left or you go right and you move on to the next ride. We all know what it's like to feel physically disorientated. We know what it's like to feel physically disorientated. And if I could think of one word that I would use to describe the effect that 2020 has had on people all over the globe in either a major or minor way, it would be disorientating. 2020 has been disorientating to people. It's been disorientating to our relationships. It's been disorientating practically. It's been disorientating spiritually. It's been disorientating in so many different ways. It's left us a little bit disorientated. The word um, disorientate or to disorientate means to cause someone to lose their sense of direction. It's also defined as to make someone feel confused about where they are and where they're going. To make someone feel confused about where they are and where they're going. And whether we've been minorly disorientated or we've been majorly disorientated in different areas of our lives this year, I believe that the effect that 2020 has had on so many of us is a disorientating one. But I believe that God would call us as his people tonight to not stay in a place of disorientation. You see, God never wants us to stay in a disorientated space where we don't know where we are and we can't quite clearly see where we're going and we don't have that same motivation and passion and hunger to see the plan and the purpose of God go forth in our lives. He doesn't want us to stay in this disorientated state. He wants us to move forward into everything that he has for us, even in the midst of uncertain times and desperate times, he's called us to live divinely measured. And so tonight, I would just love to have a look at some of these divine measures that God has for us to live in desperate times and how he has called us to live. And I want to look um, at the story of the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman in the Old Testament is a lady who went through so many disorientating circumstances. She lived in a time not only where she had, you know, uncertain circumstances happen in her life and things that could throw her off course in her own life, but she also walked through uh, disorientating circumstances that were going on around her. But we see that this woman was a woman who served the purposes and the plan of God and God's favor and his blessing was upon her no matter what she walked through. And I believe tonight, church, that no matter what we're walking through, no matter what uncertain times bring to us, God's plan for you is blessed, it's good, it's highly favored, and God wants to anoint what he has called you to. In 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8, it says this, One day Elisha went to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. 
let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there um, a bed for him, a table, a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. So here we see the start of this woman's interaction uh, with the prophet Elisha. We see that their shared friendship started based on food. Maybe it was bread. Some translators talk about her forcing him to eat bread. So they've got a relationship that is built on bread. I hope it was sourdough bread. I hope there, there was ducker involved and oil, olive oil. You know, they had this shared relationship built on food. And that's a great situation because Elisha would come to their house uh, every time that he was there. But the first thing that we see that this woman did in the midst of uncertain times in these desperate times, was that she made room for God. She made room for God. You see, in verse 10 and 11, it says, Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there a bed for him, a table, a chair and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. And one day he came in there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. See, the prophet Elisha represented the plan and the purpose and the presence of God in her life. And so when she decided to reach out to Elisha, she was actually deciding to reach out to what God was doing in her season and her circumstance and situation. This lady made it her business to be about God's business. She made it her business to be about God's business. She was a successful lady, a successful woman. The Bible tells us that she was wealthy. People probably knew who she was. She had influence and impact, but she didn't use that as an excuse to sort of stay away from what God was doing. Instead, she reached out to Elisha herself. She said, no matter what I can do, even if it's just to serve him bread, I want to be a part of what God is doing in Shunem. And God, guys, I, I pray that we would be people, even in the midst of uncertain times, even in the midst of a world that lose, looks like it's losing its mind in so many ways. We're like, what the heck? Up is down, down is up. What, what is going on? I pray that every single one of us would be like this woman and say, hey, I'm going to make it my business to be about God's business. I'm going to make room for God in my life. I'm going to make room for the plan and the purpose of God to go forth. She made room for God in her world, in her life, in her house. You know, John Wesley said, Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and we will shake the world. I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will overthrow the kingdom of Satan and build up the kingdom of God on earth. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, a great revivalist, was asked, what is the secret of his amazing Christian life? And he answered and said, I told the Lord that he could have all that there was of William Booth. I told the Lord that he could have all that there was of William Booth. 
Church, if we would just give God all that there is of us, if we would say, hey, God, I want you to use me in any way that you can. I want to make room for you, not just in my town or my city or my Sunday. I want to make room for you in my house. I want to make intentional room. I'm setting up a lamp. I'm setting up a bed. God, I'm doing whatever I can to make intentional space for your voice to come in my life, for you to speak in my life and through my life, for your purpose to prevail in and through me. She made room for God in her space, in her situation. And you know what? You can call me a crazy Holy Ghost conspiracy theorist, uh, but I do not think it's any coincidence that on the very same day that Spring Revival was supposed to begin, this coronavirus situation outbreaks, I do not think that it's any coincidence that it happened. I do not think that it's any coincidence. I, I truly believe that, you know, the devil, he's sitting there with his little diary and his hoofs and he's getting his hoofs out and he's writing, Spring Revival, must make sure I hit Adelaide at that time, must make sure I do whatever I can to just buy myself a little bit more time because I'm afraid of what God is raising up out of that church. I'm afraid of what God is going to do through that revival. I'm afraid of how it's going to impact the nation and the world. I just got to buy myself a little bit more time. I've just got to buy myself a little bit more time. I think it's no coincidence that that happened. A couple of hours, we were sitting just in, in that room before, before the service on Sunday night, and we're reading, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's been coronavirus outbreak in, in SA. And that was just before our Sunday night service as we launched Spring Revival. And then on Friday morning, oh, on Friday morning, when Spring Revival was supposed to be done and dusted, we hear the news that somebody has been sitting on a pizza box throne of lies this whole time, and we didn't have to cancel nothing. I'm like, that is not a coincidence that the very frame, the time frame that Spring Revival was supposed to happen, the enemy got so scared, did whatever he possibly could to shut it down. But how many know that just in the same way that the enemy thought he could buy himself some more time, that just gives us more time to get invested, to get hungry, to get desperate, to say, God, if those lies could go across the world to the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN, how much more can we give them something to talk about at Spring Revival, Summer Revival, whatever the heck revival we're going to have here in Adelaide? Come on, God wants to do something powerful in this place. That should stir up your faith. That should make us desperate to see God move in a powerful way. The first thing that this lady did is she made room for God. Let's make room for God. Let's make room for God in our prayer life, in our worship life, in our Bible reading, in our daily lives. Let's make room for God. Desperate times call for divine measures. The first measure that she took was she made room for God. The second measure that she took was she believed in the promises of God. She believed in the promises of God. The Bible says in verse 18, when the child had grown... He went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon. And then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed. And the man of God shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. 
And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. All is well. How many know that in the midst of uncertain circumstances, she's just had her little son die, this promise of God die. She could say, all is well. How many know God wants us to be able to say, all is well, no matter what is going on around us, all is well. I've got a joy, I've got a peace, I've got a hope in my soul, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. In these verses, it talks about the woman of God whose son dies. Uh, now, this has a backstory. This has a, a story that sort of goes along with it. You see, when Elisha met this woman, she didn't have no son. She didn't have a son, and this was a really shameful thing for her in her culture. She had dreamed maybe one day that she would have some children and she was, you know, her husband was older and she couldn't have children. And somewhere along the way, that dream died. That hope died. I don't know if it was a month before she met Elijah. I don't know if it was 10 years before she met Elijah, Elisha. But somewhere along the way, hope in her heart began to die over that promise and over that desire. So Elisha comes into her life, he's this prophet, he's this man of God, and he comes around and, and he says, hey, what do you need? God can do that for you. And he prophesies that God would give her a son. So God gives her this miracle boy, this miracle son, and this miracle son is born. But this miracle son one day dies. And so we find her in this space where her son has just passed away, her son has just died, and this same lady who had received this miracle says, no, I know that if I go to the prophet, he can do something about this. I know that if God's done it once, he can do it again. I know if God came through for me then when I couldn't have a son, God can raise my son from the dead. So she doesn't put her son in a burial place. She actually puts his, her son in his room and she goes to the prophet Elisha. She goes to the prophet Elisha, she gets the prophet Elisha, and she says, hey, I need you to come to my son, and he raises her son from the dead. The third and final thing that we see in this woman's life, the third divine measure that she puts in place, is she walks in the wisdom of God. She walks in the wisdom of God. It says in 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 1, now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, arise and depart with your household and sojourn whenever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the word of God. She went with her household and sojourned uh, to the land of the Philistines seven years. In this passage of scripture, we see Elisha tells this woman of God that more uncertain times are going to come upon her. He says there's about to be a famine in the land. There's about to be a famine for seven years. So you've got to go and you've got to move your family and you've got to go and figure something out. You've got to leave this place. So this woman is like, oh my gosh, there's going to be a famine for seven years. What am I going to do? Where are we going to live? They go and they move somewhere else. They live there for seven years and they come back after seven years has passed. And they're sort of walking. She's walking towards 
the king and, and walking towards, you know, the authorities to try and get her land back. She's lost everything. She's lost her house. She's lost her property. She has no rights to anything. She walks back and she, I don't know what's going through her mind as she's going through there. She might be like, oh, I don't know where we're going to live. I don't know what we're going to do for food. I don't know what we're going to do here. Uh, I really need God to come through for me. I don't know what this situation is going to look like. And she walks in and as she walks into that place, we see that Elisha's servant Gehazi is talking to the king about this woman. At that very moment, he was talking about her son who had been raised back to life. And the king is so astounded at what God had done for this woman that he's like, whoa, if God's doing that for you, who am I to withhold anything from you? I'm going to give you your land. I'm going to give you more than you've ever had. I'm going to restore it to you. She walks directly in to the plan and the purpose and the promise of God because she was a woman who walked in the wisdom of God when she heard the word of God. You know what? On July the 20th in 1969, a man called Neil Armstrong and another man called Buzz Aldrin. They landed on the moon. And Neil Armstrong gets out and he walks on the moon. He's the first man to walk on the moon. And he gives us this amazing quote. This is one small step for man, but one giant leap for mankind. I believe that as that lady was walking according to the wisdom and the word of God that she had heard, the Word of God from Elisha, as she was walking according to the Word of God and just implementing it in her life and just following it, she was just taking these small steps, these natural steps, these steps to go, okay, I'm going to go this way. Okay, God's telling me to go this way. Okay, I'll put this in place. Little did she know that as she stepped in to ask the king for her land back, she was taking one giant leap into the promise and the provision and the call and the timing of God for her life. And you know what, church? I believe tonight that as we take those small steps of wisdom, of the Word of God, and we take those small little steps, they might feel like small steps to us. But as we take those small steps, we are leaping into the promises and the plans and the purposes of God for our lives. If you believe it, why don't you say amen? Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Church, please visit our website, lifepointchurch.com.au.